to on off topic. Happy Thanksgiving, Brad. It is Thanksgiving. Recording on the holiday. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yeah. yours. No days off. Right. Uh, no, <laughs> it's just kind of a day it's, off. It's yeah. it's just easier. <laughs> yeah, because we're, we're not working, and neither one of us have to do family stuff until later today. So we had a, a bit of a free morning to record. So we should probably sound uh, more refreshed than usual because we're not recording after I've, day of work. I've had several cups of coffee already. I am on my first, but I'm also two hours behind you. Yeah, yeah, those, those dang time zones. It's also a very big cup of coffee, so it's probably the equivalent of like four cups of coffee, and I'm probably halfway through it. Mm-hmm. So then, yes, I'm probably around the same level as you. But either way, refreshed, ready to go, morning time recording, should be very high energy. No, it won't be, but that's okay. Speaking of hitting refresh, uh, check out my Q45s on cars and bids. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is it over where it was yesterday? No, it's been sitting at four grand for a while. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's going to end up around there. I think it's going to go a little higher than that. Most people do wait till the end to bid. Yeah, um, it's plus it's, it's the holiday. Yep. Black Friday tomorrow. People will be around. Again, I do this all the time now, every day for work. So I have a little bit more insight than I would have yeah. a year ago. But eBay has trained people that the way to bid in an auction is to wait till the last minute. Snipe. Yep. Which, um, which these obviously, car sites have kind of eliminated that. Yeah, they have the anti-sniping thing where every time, if there's less than two minutes on the clock and you throw a bid in, it resets another two minutes. Well, some of them go back to two minutes and some of them add another two minutes depending on you know, what time you're at. So if you has one minute left and you do it, it goes to three minutes. I forget how cars and bids does it. I think they just go back to two every time. Yeah. It just prevents. It's like, cause I mean, I've, I've definitely done it on eBay myself. Cause it's listen, Cause it's, it works. it's in the yeah. rules. Like yeah. you yep. play the game to the rules. Right. Yep. So yeah, you can sometimes nab stuff cheap. Cause you, you dump in at the last second. And well, it works on a, eBay style auction where a lot of the things are no reserve. Right. And no highest bid wins. The problem with a reserve auction is that if you go in and you snipe in last second, if the clock didn't reset, nobody would win anything because nothing would get bid up to the last second. And then, you know, you get a car with a, you know, say $15,000 reserve and it's at five grand. And everybody's waiting for that last second to throw their bid in. And somebody's like $5,100. Well, now the auction's over. And nobody can keep bidding the car up. Yeah. Well, it's, so they, they do that so that people have an opportunity to continue to bid the car up at the end. And it makes it like an actual in-person auction. Correct. Because you can, the guy can go once, twice, and then you can be like, yup, oh, and you can get right in there again. Yep. Yep. And, and we've keep seen some going. with two or three seconds left at, at my work. And, you know, add another hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, thousand bucks, whatever. And reset that clock to two minutes. And it, you know, it can carry the auction on for the half hour sometimes. <laughs> depending on how many people are doing it. so And, you know, regrettably, regrettably, I wish I had had time to drive the car some more. I I just didn't. Um, But I think it runs well. Sure. And slightly annoyed. uh, Somebody did know the car from the local Craigslist here and knew that it had a running issue, which I believe I've talked about before. Yep. Um. But it was bad fuel. It, it wasn't anything more complicated than that. Right. And I thought it was going to be more complicated. The guy who I bought it from thought it was more complicated. He was restoring his house. 
That's why he didn't have time to work on it. Yep. So yeah, I don't think you've done anything wrong here. It is it is what it is. You, you didn't you didn't buy the car from the guy and be like, hey hey hey, I'm gonna make a ton of money on this car. You legitimately bought the car out of nostalgia and you were going to use it and enjoy it and drive it. And you happened to buy the the uh, G20 at the same time. And at the end of summer, you only had time for one, and one's gotta go. So I wasn't gonna keep it for ten this. years, but. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you figured you'd keep it for a year or two and enjoy it and drive it, but it just became, you know, you realized you didn't have time for three sedans from the 90s. I thought so, we would be a little more open this summer. I thought there'd yeah. be, I thought we'd get lucky and there'd be a full Radwood on the East Coast. They just, yep. they weren't able to do it. And that was like, my plan was to use it for that type of thing, but. Sure thing. And that I, makes sense. It, it, I was seemingly, unfortunately, I missed a lot of the Southern New Hampshire cars and coffee events. I only went to a couple. I just was always like busy on that day or is there something else yeah like and a, it's, it's like not a, a different show there'd be like a show that's a one-day show whereas uh you know, and coffees monthly yeah those go those go monthly so unfortunately i missed a couple of those yeah i i think that you you bought the car with the right intentions it didn't happen and now you're trying to sell it and look you're not trying to get rich in this thing i mean the car's at four grand like yeah not you have you have you have a solid chunk of change into it, and you put tires on it, you detailed it, you cleaned it, you you went through the car, and you made it, you know, what it is now. And I think that in, unless something weird happens and the car sells for $45,000, which it won't, then you get nothing to worry about. And even if it does, then that, that's what the market dictated. The prior owner was going to junk it because right. he couldn't find anybody to buy it because he didn't know what was wrong with it. Right. So, you know, I did my research. I like I love my factory service manuals. I went through them. Sure. And uh, it, you start with the most basic things and it was just fuel. Like you just got lucky. Yeah. And that doesn't even go through all the other small little things that you worked on and improved over the car since you've had it. Like you built value in the car that wasn't there. That's totally a legit issue. Um, I honestly, I think that the person who made that comment wasn't so much trying to be a jerk and like, why are you trying to flip this car? I think he probably saw the listing, recognized the car, saw the running video. And was genuinely curious what it took to fix the car. Yeah. You know, because he was interested in it too, he said, when it was originally for sale. That's the thing. So, it had, the tires that were on it were totally trashed. Like, right. Like dry rotted, trashed, old tires. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't ready to be sold really. Nope. Like it and needed four tires it. when I bought it. Sure thing. Um, yeah, you did a lot of little unsaid things to make this car as nice as it is now. So I uh, I fully support your, your business decision here. To, uh, to let it go because it's going to sit in your yard and uh, the same problem is going to come back again. It'll be bad gas again if it sits for too long. So you might as well use it or sell it to somebody who will use it. That's what I, you know, the old saying, if you love something, set it free. Sure. And also, like you said, you pretty much saved this car from going to the junkyard. So, yeah, maybe somebody else can enjoy it. And if they yeah. want to knock themselves out restoring it, go Great. for it. Or they want to drive it as is. Go for it. I yeah. I just literally perfect for each. It just doesn't make sense to be the person that has a yard full of cars and go, I'm gonna get to those. I'm gonna get to those. No, yeah, no, no offense. I'm not calling you out. Wait a second. <laughs> you weren't calling me out until you said you weren't calling me out, and then you were calling me out. We're rehabbing you. Yes, we're, re- we're working on it. It's there aren't many left that don't run. No, just a few, just a few, but. Like, if I had a bigger garage and a place where the thing could live inside all winter, I would keep it longer and play with it some more. But yep, where it has to live outside, I don't feel like it's fair to the car. Sure. 
let it go to somebody who will enjoy it. If no, no guilt, Andrew, if that's what we're trying to get rid of here. So you're totally fine. Auction ends tomorrow, the day this goes live. Uh, yeah. Probably about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I think. Probably something like that. Yeah, sometime after lunchtime on the East Coast. Um, so keep an eye on it. If you're looking to pick up a decent deal on a 54,000-mile Q45, then uh, the car's going no reserve, so highest bid wins. Mm-hmm. So at 4000 bucks, you couldn't go wrong. Yet, you know what I mean? Like, It's not like you're, again... At $4,000, it's not like you're looking to retire on this one sale. Like, you have time, energy, money into this car. You know, you bought it, you put time into it, you put money into it, and here we are. It's only so, got 54,000 miles on it. How, yeah. how, like, yeah. It's just, it's not even that old of a, you know, it's time wise, it's old, but mileage, it's barely done anything. Yep. And it's not a timing belt car. These have chains. Nope. And these have yeah, the, don't worry about that. The, the upgraded. later updated guides. So yep. you don't even have to replace those. Yep, I posted actually on my Facebook page, and somebody's like, "Don't these things have like four timing belts?" And I was like, uh, "No." And a lot of people no. think they're front wheel drive because when you look at the engine, the intake is like twist, like the intake in the engine is like twisted weird for like runner length. Yep. And I've had a couple of people where it's posted, and then other people have reposted it, like on Twitter, like they, you know, retweeted it. Sure. And somebody will comment on there, and they're like, "Oh, is that a Maxima?" And you're like, "What?" Yeah, it's I a guess really, like really big Maxima without scale. Yeah, yeah, they share like an i30 Maxima. Like they definitely had that same look. Yep. Yeah, they headlights and taillights specifically. But they have a very similar similar look. What's, but these guys are way bigger. <laughs> what's crazy is I found the um, the original owner had the brochure for the G20, and he gave it to Chris, and Chris gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And they're all they're both the same year, '95. So it's got a lineup. So in '95, it was only the J30. It was a G20, Q45, J30. Right. And I posted that picture of it. On Twitter, and somebody was like, "Man, imagine in 2021, a manufacturer only having three cars, and they all have different noses." Yeah, no, no similar, no corporate design nose. language. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it was like so wild. And they're all, and there's no SUVs. No, I don't, they didn't get the QX4 till like '97. Yeah, and it's just a Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't even very much styled different. It just had a weird Mm-mm. front bumper on it, Mm-mm. and they all rotted away. They did really badly in the northeast yeah that's the only thing uh i mean the thing this has really going for it was it was a very expensive car when it was new so the paint and they even say in their literature the paint is a lot thicker than normal so well you can even um yeah i just completely lost my train of thought i apologize i had a comment based on on the never mind sorry i that whatever i was gonna say just went away Maybe about buffing the car or something? I don't even remember. <laughs> it's completely gone. Right into the wind. Yeah. Yeah, gone. Anyway, I, I dig the car. I don't spend too much time on it. We've talked about it already. But I dig the car. Uh, if I was in a different place at 4000 bucks, I'd throw another $100 bid in there uh, if I needed a car to cruise around in. But I don't, so I won't. Uh, but I am pretty pleased with how the auction has gone through cars and bids. I mean, you're at a number right now where you're comfortable with. You did the no reserve, you know, it's, you're not going to lose a dime. You're not going to really make much either, but it's, it's moving the car onto the next prospect. And, uh, and I think that the whole thing's gone well. And, you know, you kind of showed me how their process works as they were going and it seemed pretty automated. Yeah. I'm not going to pay off my house with this thing, but no, no, but it'll it'll go back into the car fund, back into the car fund. Exactly. So that's, that's, that's the way we live our life around here. Car money is car money. 
You know, you, you make some money on a car, you put it into the next one. You lose some money on a car, you continue to lose money on the same car. <laughs> so, um, I am, anyway, like I said, I was pleased with the cars and bids way of doing things. Uh, I think the Volkswagen is going to be submitted to them to see if they run it or not. Um, I'll probably also do the no reserve thing, just looking at the history of them. Um, once I have that thing fully repaired. I did order a clutch and flywheel assembly for it. It did not come in time to do it for the Thanksgiving weekend, which bums me out a little bit because I have yeah, four days off. Weekend, yeah. yeah, I have four days off and figured it'd be a perfect time to do it, but it's not. So, Where did you get it from, like FCP Euro? or? Uh, no, I just bought it right off Rock Auto. Oh, they okay. Have the, they have the Luke set up, the L-U-K. Oh, it's probably the OEM. It's the OEM or very replacement. Close, yeah. it is, it's the OEM replacement. Yeah. Uh, 630 bucks for the whole package. Oof. You know what? It includes the flywheel, which is that dual mass flywheel. Oh, okay. All right. So I, mean, I was I was expecting it to be more money, um, and it and it wasn't. So, but buying you know, it from Volkswagen, it's you know seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah, so. yeah. You're doing it yourself, so you'll you're gonna save two thousand dollars in labor. Yeah, two thousand dollars from a normal shop, four thousand dollars from the Volkswagen yeah. facility. So, I'm not doing it a hundred percent by myself. I'm having uh, so. I'm having Naomi's son Jordan is helping me out with it. So um, for like a, a a tip here, you can go on to it's it's probably Volkswagen TIS Technical Information Service. Okay. VW TIS. Um so this is part of the thing where it's right to repair, they have to have it. Sure. You can pay for a single day subscription. Okay. Like it's usually like 20, 30 bucks. You can go in, grab everything related to removing that transmission all the procedures and save them to your computer interesting as pdfs and that way you have them and you'll you can reference them for like torques and how stuff comes apart interesting yeah that's uh i i did it like for subaru's got it i did it for stephanie's rear brake so i just have the torques yep. it's such a new car i want to make sure i use the right torques excellent Older cars, you know, I kind of have the feel for it, but brand new cars, like, oh, sure, yeah, might as well do it right. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I have some experience recently with a similar setup. I, it's not taking the transmission out, but at least as far as the axles go, because uh, I did that other TDI one in my driveway like two months ago, three months ago, when the uh, friend yeah. of mine lost his axles and his TDI coming down the hill. Make from, sure you guys have some good triple squares. I, we do have triple squares. Yep. A good set of them. We do have a good set of hardened steel impact triple squares. <laughs> like, yep. Real good stuff. So we do have the triple squares. And, you know, I didn't go as far as taking the transmission out. But, you know, I got, you know, doing the axle year one step before that. So I do have recent experience taking the car apart and putting it back together. So that part shouldn't be too Is difficult. there um specific gear oil for that? Like, uh, you know, I haven't dug that deep yet because the part's not even here. Um, yeah. I'm assuming you like MT90 just... maybe if it's if yeah. It, I'm assuming you can just get it locally. Yeah, um, you can you can buy it. Lo- I mean, you can buy it by a gallon. Um, I know I know that it's harder to find that information because it, Volkswagen calls it a lifetime gear oil. Oh, the forms will probably be good for that. Yeah, and there's no like drain and fill. You know what I mean? There's no plug, so you actually have to disassemble it to do it. So I got to figure. Oh, out. Oh, really? Yeah. So when you yeah, see, this is the thing. So you should check those service information because it'll tell you because, you know, typically, well, it's got half shafts with drive cups. Maybe you don't have to empty it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm off a, a going Japanese out. stuff. When you pop them yeah. out, it's going to leak out. So you drain it. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not sure. It's a Euro so it's cars same... usually have like a drive cup set up. So 
So the transmission, there's a five-speed and a six-speed that came in the TDIs. Um, and the actually, it's the same transmission, whether it's a TDI or a gas car. There's just different gear sets. Yep. So it's the same. There's like O2J. O, I forget the actual codes because I'm not a giant modern Volkswagen guy. I've just driven them. Um, yep. And the, basically, it's the same basic transmission, just a five-speed or a six-speed. Yeah. So, And I know that they're, quote-unquote, lifetime fluid. Yeah. Liquid Molly might have a listing for it, too. Yeah, more than likely. Somebody will. I'm not stressed about it. Um, whatever is half-decent will go. I'll go from there. Um, SCP Euro has it. it. looks like VW six-speed manual for cool. 25 bucks for however much of it. Yeah. that. I mean, again, that's that's huge for when you go to resell it because you can say it's got X stuff, OEM, you know, OEM maker of the clutch. OEM get tree bowl fluid. Yeah. OEM yeah fluid. It looks like this. They sell a package. There is a drain plug. Apparently it's just oh, not cool. a normal drain plug. It's like, there a you go. Plug. it's like a machine plug. Like, uh, um, like pipe thread. It looks like pipe thread. Like it's a yeah. solid plug. Yeah. And it's got yeah. a square end on it. Yeah. So FC, that. FCP Euro sells a, the two looks like they're liters maybe yep so two liters of it and a drain plug for 25 bucks there you go <coughs> excuse me and that's the uh, oem fluid so i can just order that i'll probably still beat the clutch and stuff here if i order it today mm-hmm. so being from fcp so no stress so could talk about that i'll check into that and make sure i need to buy it and if i do uh, that's what i'll order yeah sounds good i'm trying to think of anything else you know, I don't want to have project creep, but usually that should be about it with a transmission job. I, I ordered a rear main seal as well. Um, I don't know that I'm going to do it. I'm going to inspect it while it's apart. Yeah, yeah, that's um, fair. I just I, I wanted to have it on hand. So if I see any seepage at all, we'll do it. And if I don't see any seepage at all, yeah, probably because you don't want to it. pause for it. It's annoying. Uh, exactly. I just figured it would be like a, you know, to ha- have it on hand if I need it. And if I don't need it, don't borrow it because it's not that old of a car. It's not one of those things that on modern cars goes bad, really. And I think that taking it apart, if it's not leaking, would be more detrimental than the only other thing I would check, because this is common in European cars, is uh, one time use hardware. So like flywheel bolts, clutch bolts, like pressure plate to flywheel. Maybe not because it's a Volkswagen. It's more of like a BMW would like to do that to you. I haven't read anything Sometimes about Ford that. does that. I haven't read anything about that, but I can okay. definitely check that before I before I move on. I've done like half research. I haven't gone full deep it yet because again, I'm waiting for the part to get here, and I was hoping it would be here for this weekend. Yeah. It's not, so um, I'll just wait for uh, everything to get here, and then this means I'll probably wait till the following weekend, which is what uh, uh, it may wind up being in two weeks. The week of the eleventh. Where's the um? Just- so you get the clutch master, the serv- where's the service cylinder? Is it on the f- firewall or on the transmission? I don't know. Yeah. You're going to have to wait till I get deeper into it. I really haven't done much with with this yet. So Yeah. Either make sure it's good. Well, you know, make sure they're good, but probably fresh fluid to help you out will we'll bleed. Okay. So the clutch kit includes... Throat bearing, pallet bearing. Yep. Nice. Yep. So the flywheel, pallet bearing, alignment tool, everything. 
So should be good. Not stressed. I'm not gonna like it is what it is. Like it's it's not it's not rocket science. It's a you know. No, it's just um you just gotta go step by step. Yeah. Um. It's probably yeah. It's probably not too bad. Yeah, it looks pretty standard. Even the Lumas flywheel. Like it doesn't have any more difficulty installing it. You bolt it on like a regular flywheel, and everything's internal. So it's just gonna, I'm sure, heavier. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm annoyed because I'd like to just put the single mass on there, but you know, like I said, with the the six speed, it says it'll damage it. So, so yeah, just not gonna do it. But yeah, so having the the Luke clutch and the Luke dual mass flywheel, I think it'll be a big. Um, a big boon in the sale because again like you said i could say oh, all oem Volkswagen parts you know and anything and that will take care of all of the things that say so brought the car to the Volkswagen dealer so now the you know carfax of the car or the Volkswagen service history will show that it needs a clutch and it needs this stuff and it needs that so at least now i'll be able to say it's done anybody that asked that question to be like nope car's been done 100 percent all factory stuff ready to go you know let's uh no stress so Moving on, other project car updates because that's not that's a project car talk. Who's gonna? Um, sorry to go back to it. Are you gonna have your your buddy paint it? Do the crest of it or? Um, prob- I don't know yet. I got a couple people to talk to. Um, there's another person here who does work on the side. Does very good work. He painted Naomi's hood and bumper on her Infinity. Infinity. It's Infinity. It's a Hyundai. Talk about <laughs> talk about Infinities here. It's it's pearl white, so it became a. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I immediately thought Infinity. Um, it's a snow white pearl Hyundai Sonata and that's a notoriously hard color to paint. And he was able to panel paint it without even blending and it looks mint. Um, so I may have him take a look at the Volkswagen, um, paint the front bumper, paint the hood and the right fender where the, where the minor damage is. So that's not a big deal. Nope. But the car, I probably wouldn't even want to sell the car by the time it's all done. Cause it's going to be perfect. Cause it's going to have, you know, all the chips taken out of the front, the new clutch in it and four new tires on it because it needs tires too. So yeah, <laughs> but you don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> You'll yeah. see. I'll, I'll, it's not like you're just yeah. doing this to do it. it. It all needs these, it needs these things. Well, yeah, it, it, it needs these things and they're all going to build value in the car in the end. I don't, I don't think I'm chasing, you know, chasing diminishing returns here i think that these things are all things that are going to make the car worth more in the end not doing like a you know r32 swap body kit thing to it or no. something actually honestly the, the dollar figure for that isn't much different yeah uh, and if i were keeping the car i would do that and then do wheels and stuff but i think just keeping it stock even front bumper on it it's right front bumper on it it's the way to go so it's uh again whether i decide to keep the car or not the car needs all these things and uh i I think it's all going to build value in the car when I go to sell it. And I think I am ready just to move on to something different. You know, I, I bought the Volkswagen for a reason. I bought the Volkswagen for, because I knew I was moving out here. I knew I was leaving my job in Massachusetts and I knew I was getting rid of my, my big pickup. So I needed a reliable, still fun, economical daily driver. And I knew I was going to be moving out here and not having a job right away. So I wanted to be able to do uh, Uber with it or something. So I did that for a little bit, not very long, just a few months until I got myself established. And I also wanted something, like I said, that was economical to drive back and forth across the country a few times with my stuff. And this did that, you know, 40 plus miles a gallon on the highway. And it was a very inexpensive way to move back and forth across the country. So I never had to rent any kind of moving truck or anything because I wasn't bringing furniture. It was just 
boxes and boxes of personal belongings and it just worked so the the, the car has done what i wanted to do um you know i don't need that anymore i have enough running vehicles to honestly not even buy anything else for a little while if i didn't want to and like i said i i did buy plane tickets to come back to boston for christmas and i may if the Saab deems itself appropriate to drive across country maybe i'll drive it across country you know and that could be a perfectly fine daily out here so i don't need anything special drive that car for a while maybe clean that up some more and that'll go on cars and bids later on too who knows you know it's it's time to to get moving through things and you and i need to have a chat about the galant again because he keeps sending me all these ones for sale and maybe time just to move that one because it'll probably never get done out there on my own so we'll see what happens i chatted with somebody at radwood about that as well who was a mutual friend of both of ours but we talk about that off air later so all right anyway moving on project car updates andrew you have you done anything tomorrow? uh oh uh let me think here i mean i just put the car cover on the montero and oh. i i uh, i don't think I, thought, I was i wasn't sure if it would fit but it was a generous cut Oh. like the pants that I wear. So it fits just fine. <laughs> Elastic waistband and all. <laughs> yeah. Very 2020 car cover. Um, it had an elastic waistband to fit over that snorkel you added. I'm really surprised how well it fit. Like it's, it's not even that tight over it, but it's like a four seasons one. So it came with the belt, like buckled clips to, yep. to, to cinch it down. I got the same company for both the G20 and the, and the Montero. Sure. Is, except at the rear corner, as soon as I cinched it, I didn't even pull that tight. It like ripped. Okay. Like, uh, so, but otherwise, yeah. it's fine. It's waterproof. Yeah. I the got one some. On, uh, the one on the yellow Colt did the same thing. The yeah. first time I pulled it on, I pulled it too tight. I, like, I mean, there's it was sixty bucks. So. Yeah. If it gets two seasons out of it, I'd be happy. Right. I just want to keep the. It's just annoying because the leaves. You'll I'll clean the leaves off, and then it'll be a windy day. The more leaves will fall into it. And that's just like. Yeah, no, it keeps the sun off of it, keeps the moisture off of it. And it's just it's the, right thing, it's the right thing to do. The big thing is getting the leaves out of there because they hold moisture. Yep. And they plug up inside the cobble panels and yeah. around the headlights and bumper and door jam. Ugh, it's gross. Yeah. Plus, you park them the... on rocks. So the underneath drains out nice, too. So it doesn't. Yeah, it stays. Like, well, that's the thing. So here in the wintertime, the humidity is really low. So as yep. long as the water has a place to go, it doesn't stay. Yep. Um, yeah, parking on mud or dirt is the worst, but parking on rocks over dirt is the best. Yeah. Because with the concrete, um, you park on concrete and melting snow just pools up underneath the car and stays wet. But you park on rocks, drains down into the earth. So it's good. Yeah, and I always brush the snow off them like at the end, end of the snowstorm. Yep. Just to, so it doesn't sit. Yeah, it shouldn't be a big deal. They're modern, the enough, they're modern enough cars that they're not going to rot away if properly cared for outside i gotta throw the uh tender on it you swap back and forth between the cars or do you have two of them i have five tenders now oh fancy <laughs> yeah the q45 sitting on a tender too because i need i need to get some more because i have the same one that i just swapped from car so to car. uh the battery tender brand ones if you go on amazon they're 20 bucks more than just going to lowe's and buying them oh really yeah interesting that's i have the one from lowe's so all right, my project cars. How much did I talk about the Sapporo last week? Uh, you were you're trying to get it ready, trying to put it in. 
So I was trying I'm to get it from Radwood. for Radwood. Okay, so I have not and touched then, everything yet. I never heard from you, and then I saw you at Radwood. I was like, well, what car did you end up with? And then I didn't hear from you because you were busy. And then I saw yeah. somebody posted a picture of your Eclipse, and I was like, all right, took the Eclipse. Sapporo didn't make it. So we'll get to the whole Radwood thing eventually. But the plan yeah. was to get the Sapporo ready for Radwood because the Eclipse has gone to the past, like, three or four. And I just wanted to switch it up a little bit. And LA is not too terribly far from here. You know, it's five and a half, six hours, depending on where you're going which is a pretty reasonable road trip, but a Sapporo considering it's gone across country, right? So I was thrashing the week leading up to Radwood. Um, I think if you remember back, I had an issue with a fuel pump. So it's a mechanical fuel pump, and there's an arm that rides on a lobe on the camshaft that as the motor turns over, pumps up and down and literally just creates suction from the fuel pump, fuel tank and sucks the fuel into the into the carburetor. So it's a very mechanical system. And I'm pretty sure what happened with the old one, it's a sealed piece. I didn't even bother taking it apart. I'm sure the diaphragm inside just got old and and tore because it wasn't making any suction anymore. So I got the new fuel pump for it. And the fuel pump had a very similar design. Bolt pattern was the same. Everything looked the same except for that arm that rides on the lobe. It was two pieces of metal sandwiched together. And then they went down to the body of the fuel pump and they went off in a Y and they have like a spacer in between them and uh, like a pin in like a pivot pin in the middle of them that it the fulcrum point for the arm was on. So it probably makes it more stable as far as the single arm that was on the factory one. And it would work just fine in any application that did not have these jet valves. So the late 70s, early 80s, 2.6 cylinder heads have that third valve called the jet valve. It's like a swirl valve to help with emissions. And the problem is it's right next to the head bolt. So the path between the head bolt and that jet valve was so narrow that the fuel pump was specially designed with a single narrow arm to fit in between that fuel, that, that little path. And every aftermarket fuel pump at the market comes with a double arm. And it's too thick to fit in. And I couldn't tell how much too thick. It didn't look too much. It looked like it should work. But you just couldn't get it in. And then you couldn't twist the piece to the point where it would fall down into place. So I got all frustrated. I took it out. I put the old back in. And it slides right in like nothing is wrong. Like what is happening here? So I used this opportunity to buy new tools. Because that's what you do, obviously, right? Uh, I needed a bench grinder anyway. I didn't have one. So I was like, I'm going to buy a bench grinder. Uh, and actually, Naomi went out and picked it up for me. And while she was there, she also saw a set of digital calipers that were fairly inexpensive, but a decent brand at uh, Home Depot. And uh, picked up a set of digital calipers for me. So I was able to actually measure the original arm and the new arm. And do you want to know how much wider the new arm was? Yeah, how much wider was it? So the factory arm was 0.15 inch. And the aftermarket was 0.16. Wow. That's all it took. That's how tight the clearance was in this. So it took about three milliseconds on the uh, Ryobi bench grinder, which FYI, if you're looking for a decent bench grinder and you're like, I have a Harbor Freight budget, skip Harbor Freight because the Ryobi one with a warranty is $20 less than the cheapest Harbor Freight one. So that's a bonus bonus points right there. Um, bench grinder is awesome. It's got LED lights in it. It's it's super cool. It works really well. But it took like two seconds to take that material off. 
I got it down to the point one. It's like it's now at like point one four eight, so it's pretty close. I went to the car and it slipped right in like nothing was even nothing wrong in the first place. So mm-hmm. all it was was that you know hundredth of an inch was all it took to fit it in there. So now I'm like, great, I'm all excited. Time to slap this thing back together. And I remember I was taking off the material. So the, the carburetor is coolant cooled. Like a lot of carburetors that era are. Again, it's an emissions thing. He so it's actually cool. what's that? Heated and cooled. He yeah, heated sorry, heated and cooled, I should say. More heated than cooled. Um yeah, I, yeah he's cooled because it's coolant. But yes, it's more heated than cooled for help with cold starts and keep the keep running right. But uh, it's also for emissions. But anyway, so it's heated and cooled by the coolant in the engine. And there's a plate in the bottom of the carburetor that is like coolant passages. So obviously you don't want coolant in your combustion cycle. So this gasket that goes in the bottom of the carburetor to keep coolant out of the intake manifold and ultimately out of the combustion chamber. When you take the carburetor off, the intake manifold fills with coolant because there's no longer a gasket holding it in place. I know this. I've done this before. How many of these two sixes have I worked on? How many times have I done this? How many times have I drained the coolant out of the intake manifold? For some reason, I'm in a giant rush. I'm putting the whole car back together, go to fire it up, and it's like cranking really slow. I'm like, all right, that's weird. It won't start. All right, that's weird. So I have Naomi help me out. Have her put a little bit of fuel in the carburetor just to give it like a little a little bump, um, and it fires up. It's running kind of rough, but it's running. Um, but it's smoking like crazy. Like, so much smoke. Like, the car always smokes a little bit on startup, but this time, it's like, it's like the uh, a smoke machine. It's, it's not stopping. It's just tons and tons of smoke. But it's running. Poorly, but it's running. I get all frustrated. I'm trying to look at it. I'm looking at maybe I have the return line because there's three lines on the fuel pump and there's one goes from the fuel tank to the carb. One goes from the carb back to the fuel tank. And then the third one, I don't even know what the third one is. Whatever. There's three. I'm trying to think of how it works now. There's three. There's three lines. And I'm going. Maybe I got the feed and the return line confused. So what I'm doing is dumping unregulated return fuel back into the carb. I don't know. I'm looking at going back and forth. Like I can't figure out that thing is smoking. So I get all frustrated. Put the car away. It's now a couple days before Radwood. I know I'm not taking it at this point. I'm like whatever. I wake up the next morning and I was actually messaging you about it. And. I don't know how it clicked in my head right away, but I was like, wait, I never drained the coolant from the intake manifold. So the intake manifold was quite obviously filled to the brim with coolant. And I remember it was filled to the brim with coolant because when I was scraping the gasket off, I could see the coolant all the way up to the base of the carburetor. So that's not ideal. So because the car ran, my only hope now is that I didn't bend a valve. I didn't do any permanent damage. Um, I haven't had a chance yet just because it's been a crazy week and it's Thanksgiving week and, you know, it's only two nights after work and other things are going on. And we have uh, family in from out of town and everybody brought dogs and there's puppies and there's 
at one point there were nine dogs in this house. Oh, it just wasn't, it wasn't a thing that could happen this past couple of days, but um, I'm hoping either later today or tomorrow morning, I can tear into it a little more. I think before I try to start it again, I'm going to take out all four spark plugs uh, and crank it over without plugs in it and eject any extra liquid that's in there. Uh, and then because I have the plugs up, maybe I'll just do a quick compression test on all four cylinders and uh, kind of hope for the best. I guess at this point, I don't know what else to do. Um, the things that make me nervous are at one point when I was cranking it over. So I was trying to bump the the rotor on the cylinder, so the rotor on the distributor, so that it was at top dead center at number one, because that's how you had to have it lined up to put the fuel pump in. Um, and the car stopped turning over. It was like, <clears throat> and then it was like struggling to get past that point. And then it did get past that point. <laughs> which means it either somehow pushed the coolant elsewhere or bent a valve and it went past it or pushed a spring up and it passed it somehow. Like, I, I don't, I don't know yet what happened, um, but I'm pretty nervous about it. So hoping I didn't blow that car up because that, mm. that would be quite upset, especially because it's hundred percent user error. Like, yeah, I, 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 I've done this so many times, Andrew, like I'm so aware that every time you take a carb off one of these cars, the intake manifold fills with coolant and you have to drain it out. We literally just did it on the yellow Colt. I've done it on the Raider. I've done it so many times. Hmm. Um, so it's just one of those, like you get excited, you start working on something and then you just don't think about something dumb like that. Cause you're in a hurry and you wind up making a big mistake. So fingers crossed. I didn't um, worst case. If I did, I have another project on my hands that I didn't want to have, but there is a 70,000 mile Starion 2.6 turbo sitting around that will technically bolt into the car. So mm. I don't want to do that. And if I do that, uh, the car is going to sit for a while and I don't want to do that. But I, I've, I've always said that if I blow this car up, it doesn't make any sense to build another, put another 2.6 in it, just to another, or 2.6 carbed motor. Just put a fuel injected Starion motor and a five speed in the car, right? Yep. So if I did blow it up, that's what I'll probably do. Um, if I didn't blow it up, then hallelujah. We'll keep moving on. So tune in next week to find out how Brad, how bad Brad fucked up. Not the same level of mess up, but I um, had a pair of side cutters in my back pocket and then sat in the front seat of my Volkswagen. So that was cool. I put a little hole in the seat. Yeah, it's not good. Um, it's not too big. It kind of looks like the perforated holes, but I can tell it's there. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe FC Piero can get it. And I sent him the van and picture what I was looking for. And the kid it was nice enough. He got back to me. He gave me the part number. He's like, yeah. Dealer only. like, we can't really get it. Supply chain. Oh, okay. But here's the part number. Like, oh. <laughs> Is it $500? Uh, it probably is for just yeah. the skin. I don't know. There's a I'll probably end up trying to buy one at some point. There's a couple of annoy me. There's a couple of companies there that the dealerships use that do the repair in those seats and they do a really good job. Yeah, I gotta find out. Yeah, that might be better. Uh, I was actually talking about interior repairs somebody the other day, uh, actually with Chris, who's from the East Coast, and he knows of a shop out there that does really good work. And they used to, and he worked at a Audi dealership. Um, and they used to take these repair holes in Audi seats. And he's like, you could never tell there's ever anything wrong with it. Yeah. 
So we'll have to maybe set you up with those guys. So they were somewhere in like somewhere somewhere on the coast in a shady part of town. It looks like a crappy location, but they do really nice work. One of those kind of places. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to have to get the name from him again where that was. Um, something auto top, I think. Well, anyways, that's thanks. How about some events? Yeah, I think it's some good ones. Um, I meant to talk about it last week, and I just forgot because we had a lot of other stuff going on. Do you remember back in like, I don't know, what was it, 2011, 2010, 2012? We went to the rally cross at uh, New Jersey Motors. I think it was 20, 2010. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was a long time ago. Actually, you know what? It was 2010 because we took your father's Outlander and it was like a brand new vehicle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 11 years ago. That was one of the first big rallycross events in the States. One of the first. It was like the first. the first one. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool. Um, it was fun to watch, but the series didn't last very long because, you know, all of the rally teams were mostly amateurs, you know, garage built, self-funded teams. And it was really hard in the cars. Uh, so it wasn't really a, a, a series that could sustain itself, right? So fast forward to now, a couple of years ago, Travis Pastrana and the whole Nitro Circus crew put together this Nitro Rallycross event. I don't know if this is, I think it's the second year, because the first year of it was during the pandemic and they did it all at one location in Utah. So this is the first year that's actually touring the country. So it came to Phoenix. Um, it's absolutely amazing. I, I went into it not knowing what to expect. I went into it kind of having like that, and not to sound like pretentious and stuck up, but kind of a, a jaded personality or, or jaded thoughts towards motorsports in general. Because we've been to so many events, you know, and you're like, well, this might be kind of cool, whatever. It'll be a day, something to talk about, take some pictures. Um, not sure if I'm actually going to enjoy it a lot or not. Uh, from the beginning until the end, I was blown away. Yeah. Um, it, it helped going with some people who have never been to anything rally related before. So they were like totally blown away. Just looking at the rally cars in the paddock, which I'm telling you, uh, watching a car get airborne is still impressive and shocking to me every time. So the cool thing about this is it's impressive from the moment you walk in the gate because there is like almost complete unfettered access to everything. Like it's, it's like the service park at an actual stage rally is at the entrance to the, to the event. And you That's can cool. just walk up to every car and just, all, you can't walk around it while they're working on it, obviously, because they haven't roped off, but you can walk right up to the ropes, which are maybe yeah. three feet behind the cars, just like at a rally service park. And all of them are there. It reminded me of like uh lime rock historics, that kind of access, but for like professional top of the line current modern race cars like it was really cool one thing i did not know that i know now is that the fiesta rallycross cars actually all the rallycross cars except for the subarus they look like little group b cars mm-hmm. they're full front and rear clamshells over um full tube frames and they are rear engine like the a3 the audi a3s the honda civics and the the ford fiestas are all rear engine cars they, they literally look like little um, 
Group E cars. It's that they're amazing. They're amazing race cars. The Subarus have a front engine. It's more like a front midship engine. Uh, and they're not related to their actual stage rally car at all. No. Uh, which makes sense because the stage rally car wouldn't handle the kind of abuse that these events throw at them because they're bumper to bumper banging off of each other the whole time. They're like a fiberglass or probably a carbon fiber or some kind of facsimile of an actual, you know, Subaru or Fiesta or whatever. It's not a like a a true stage rally car is quote unquote production based. You know, they have headlights and taillights and sheet metal. Whereas these don't have any of stuff. They have headlight stickers and taillight stickers like a NASCAR, which you don't pick up on watching it on TV unless I guess one gets torn apart. Then you don't even think about it. But seeing it in person, you can see that. And the first thing you see when you walked in was the big Subaru booth, because obviously Subaru is, you know, Travis Pastrana and he's the, you know, the main marketing force behind all this. So the big Subaru truck is there and they have a stage rally car parked next to the Air Slayer Subaru parked next to a rallycross car. So you can compare the differences between all three cars looking at them. Um, and they're just there's, there's zero similarities other than they all kind of look like a WRX. So it's really neat to see this special car is just for this event. Then you get into the event. And when I was a kid, obviously we had Hot Wheels cars and Hot Wheels tracks and slot cars and slot car tracks. And I never liked the ones that had jumps built into them. Right. Because I was like, this is lame. This is not like a real car. I want like a real car. I don't want these jumping things. Well, all that stuff is no longer fantasy. These cars are practically airplanes. They're in the air so much. The way this track is designed, it's like jump over the start finish line, jump into the first turn, jump into the second turn, jump in the middle of the straightaway, jump into the backstretch, jump. It's like they're constantly in the air. It's It's like watching dirt bikes that are just constantly in the air when they do the like stadium dirt bike racing. Well, it's all old dirt bike guys, right? <laughs> yeah, but Mostly. it's, it's, it's stadium dirt bike racing in cars and the amount of times these cars jump and land, jump and land, jump and land. is just absurd. And the amount of air they get under them, like they could almost pass each other airborne. Like they have a whole car length underneath them. Like I, the whole time I sat there just like eyes glued to everything that was happening. And, Watching them do all the things you learn about from just learning about rally, like, you know, Scandinavian flick, watching them set up into, into the corners and watching them do it side by side and, and just bump off each other for passing. It's like, what an amazing motorsports event. It really, it, you can see the whole track from the stands. There's only like one turn you can't see. And there's just, there's nothing you can't see. You just see the whole thing. And the only thing that's a little annoying about it is it's a little bit action sports, obviously. So there's a little bit of that, like, kind of like douchiness about it i guess is kind of the best way to say it like the main sponsor is pit viper sunglasses and you know they sell them there and everybody's wearing them looking like an idiot but other than that it's such a cool event and the way it's set up is there's two different classes there's the nitro rally cars which are the top level cars with you know pastrana and the nascar guy and a couple others and then there's the levels right below that which is you know, 300 horsepower Fiestas. It's almost like a spec class. Um, and they're almost just as fast, but they have one jump that they have a smaller jump for the lower car, for the smaller horsepower cars and the bigger horsepower cars use the bigger jump. Um, and they go, they go back and forth with the classes. So you see low class, high class, low class, high class, low class, high class between 
each event. And then obviously there's a water truck to keep down the dust. And in the middle, they have what they call a halftime, which is part of like the, you know, whole nitro circus aspect of it. But what they did was they took other action sports stars that don't race nitro rally cross and they put them in identically prepped PT cruisers. <laughs> and when I say prepped, I mean, they took the airbags out and punched the windshields out of them. That was it. That was the prep. There was no cages. There was no Hans devices. There was nothing. I don't know how they got away with this. And they ran the same course in these PT cruisers that the um, rally cars are running. Yeah. Every one of those guys has a broken back. No question. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. I don't know why they did it. I don't know how they got away with it. Um, it was amazing to watch. Um, I never wanted a PT cruiser, but after watching the abuse these things can take and keep going, I kind of, maybe we should invest in PT cruisers. <laughs> it was really fun to watch these things just banging around out there. Um, and they caught serious air in PT cruisers. Like there's like three, four feet of air under these things. And they land on their stock suspension and you hear it hit the ground and you know, the guy inside is had his back compressed. They all got out three inches shorter. Guaranteed. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how any of them lived. Like absolute insanity, completely zero, zero regard for anybody's safety out there. Just absolute madness. But hey, it's fun to watch. That whole race is actually on YouTube if you want to watch it. I did. Uh, I did see it listed there. Um, but anyway, if, if Nitro Rallycross comes to your town or anywhere within a couple hour drive of your town, hit it up. It's uh, it's fully worth it. Um it's it's neat to see the way they have it set up with their own special cars now, so you don't have people ruining their you know stage rally cars, which again was the reason the first time it came around didn't work so well. It but was so cool though. It was cool. It was definitely cool, but it was a, a very expensive day for everybody involved. So this here is better because the cars are dedicated and there's drivers from all over the world. Um, there, there's some like I said, you know, you, you Travis Pastrana, as you know. Um, who's the drifter Tanner Faust was running. Um, Scott speed was there. Uh, and NASCAR driver, Kurt Busch, either Kurt or Kyle Busch. One of the Bushes, um, <laughs> was, was running in the event, uh, who had never driven a rally car until this weekend, that weekend. <laughs> like that was interesting to see. That's yeah. Like an old dirt track. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it was cool. Again, I, I don't, it was way more than I expected just because, like I said, kind of a little bit jaded towards motorsports events at this point in life. Cause you've seen almost everything, right? Yeah. Not jaded at all. It was awesome. Yeah. Definitely then, check it out. And then it's just funny. I wonder what the crossover is. It's probably very little of people who are at climb of the clouds and actually yeah. saw the air slayer in action. Yeah. I was wondering if I might be one of the few people not officially involved with Subaru there that saw both. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say the NASCAR crossover because of, you know, the whole Kurt Busch thing was huge. Um, there was a strong contingent of elderly women wearing Kurt Busch sweaters. I mean, if you can come up with a better way to spectate rally where it's all contained. Oh, you can't. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah, this is the closest thing. Yeah, it's very condensed. Yeah, it's like, like it's like a special stage. Yeah, it's like watching Concord Pond over and over again. Yep, except mm. even more extreme because the cars are constantly airborne. Like, yeah, they spend more time in the air than on the ground. So, I mean, it's totally it's really a different type of motorsport, but it's it still would be fun. I I hope they do one in the Northeast here. 
yeah, there's rumors and grumblings about taking it um, at least to the East Coast, possibly not the Northeast. Um, but they're talking about Florida, South Carolina area. So not quite as convenient for you. Carolinas would make sense. A lot of NASCAR crowd there. You could probably do it at the Charlotte Roval. And, and that's what part of it is, is that they're trying to bring more people into the, the sport of rally and bring it, make it more mainstream. And like I said, the, the, the amount of 60 to 70 year old women wearing Kurt Busch t-shirts was I, a, a surprising number. I am all in for um, more NASCAR drivers doing crossovers. Yeah. Why not? Um, and it would be a cool support series for a NASCAR race at a road course. Yeah, the only issue is the amount of dirt required to make this course. Um, That's true. That's it's true. a very it's it's a huge undertaking. Maybe it'd be like a a week of speed type thing where it's the opening weekend leading up. Yeah, to the, you'd, the race. you'd have you'd have to do this, and you'd need to use the course for other things too. Like you need to have a dirt bike series, and maybe like a stadium truck Trophy series. Trucks, yeah. Yeah, you need to have all that kind of stuff to make it make sense to build this course um, just for rally cars, which is probably part of the reason it's limited to so few sites right now. Like the spot that they did in Phoenix was next to Firebird Raceway, which is where the uh, formerly Bondurant Racing School is now Radford Racing School. Um, and it's another place they do track days. And there's I think there's a drag strip there. And actually, there's a um, full NHRA event there. And they do a bunch of like hot import nights kind of car shows at this place. Actually, while this event was going on, there was also an an active track day. I don't know what a NASA day or some some clubs track day was going on on the actual paved racetrack on the other side. So there was tons of stuff going on all at the same time. And they just had this huge. I mean, it's Phoenix, so there's desert. So I was just digging in the desert. So it was really really cool event. Very. Uh, I, I've said it. 12 times already i'll say it again like if, if it's anywhere near you go to it you know it was it was actually it was in la the same day as same weekend as uh as radwood too i tempted to go see it again it's oh. really good yeah so all right so speaking of radwood moving on that? radwood was amazing always is la I, show I, is I, the I, one to go to in my yeah opinion. if you're yeah. not if you're only gonna do one do the la one yeah, I mean, and, uh, I'm I, I'm not uh, not telling anything we haven't told you all before. Like, it's it's the most fun you'll ever have at a car show. If you if if you only go to one car show, you're right. L.A. is the one to go to. Um, yeah, if you're into meeting, you know, your favorite. I get. I don't want to say low level. I don't know. Car celebrities. Uh, uh, yeah, car yeah. celebrities, not low level celebrities. Car celebrities. Yeah. Car celebrities from like YouTube and stuff. Yeah, they'll usually be at the L.A. one. At Name name one. They were there. Yeah, you know every everybody who's anybody with their, you know, Motor Trend shows or YouTube shows or. It definitely blew me away that Chris Jacobs was there because he's a big name. Yeah, he's a pretty big name. He's oh, he's definitely a big name because yeah. he's all over like Velocity Channel. So yep, yeah, he was he was there with his with his car. But in the past, there's been like Mike Brewer's been there. Yep. Um, the one I went to, we didn't even realize that. John Malkovich was just there, like walking around. Yeah, John around. Malkovich is walking around, hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you have all, all your typical people, like uh, Matt Farah is obviously going to be there, and um, who else was there? I don't know. There was just tons of people. Um, I can't, can't even celebrity cars, celebrity people, just stuff. Stuff you see on the internet, it's all going to be there if it fits the theme. You know, yeah. No... The, it's funny the the dodgy van that was there 
Was yep. it what we saw it at Cars and Coffee that weekend? The sure. other weekend. Yep, the gray one. The one that's the, always over the internet. Yep, the TV. There, there seemed like there was a lot of crossover too of uh, Japanese cars from JCCS. Yes, especially in the Honda section. Mm-hmm. Um, the TVR Speed Six that we saw at uh, Cars and Coffee LA was there. I wonder if that guy made it. That was asking me about what kind of Radwood T-shirt they hand out. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> he had a Toyota pickup truck. Which the color? one the the really nice pickup truck was there that I took a picture of the red one the that red one, one best raddest yep. truck I think actually that was a super super nice car at JCCS. Yep. And um, I don't we didn't really talk about it. We, I was standing there we were getting ready to leave JCCS. And this guy came up. He's like, "Can I touch your shirt?" And it, like even before I could say anything, he's like touching my shirt. <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Um, He's like, no, I just want to sign up for Radwood. I want to see what kind of shirt they give out. If they're nice shirts, I was like, well, they're pretty nice shirts. They're not I was low like, quality. Yeah, odd they're like dude. heavyweight shirts. He's like, oh, I'm not really into the F40 on the back, but nice I was shirt. like, I don't know what they'll be at LA. It's always a different shirt. This Thanks one was for feeling me to... up, guy. Like, what was that all about? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, L- the LA shirt was a yellow colored shirt, um, and it has like an LA skyline in the background with an NSX. Oh, an NSX on it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he was into that. The show was sponsored <laughs> by Honda and Acura. <clears throat> yeah, right there, Andrew. Excuse me. The show was sponsored by Honda and Acura, and it was at Honda's campus in Torrance, California. So pretty much everything official from the show has a Honda on it. So. Yeah, and like I said, it was a big Honda home, Honda Acura homecoming. So that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, it was funny. I was working the front gate, and uh, they were trying to curate some Honda displays, and they had me, you know, handpick a few Hondas to slip out and put in their special curated honda display so that was kind of kind of neat but yeah so i worked the gate so i got if, if you came to redwood uh and you saw the guy at the gate wearing the plaid shirt drinking the iced coffee that was uh and said hi that was me i said hi to about 550 people that day so i uh i met you if only briefly but it was a good time it's always a good time you know spend the first half of the day helping them out in the second half of the day, walking around looking at cool cars. I mean, a couple highlights, obviously, at TVR. Um, yeah, we like, also started at Cars and Coffee, too. Yeah, so random. There, there was a Gunther kind of Works. but not random. It's just LA cars. Yeah. There was a uh, Gunther Works 993. In that a, was Chris Jacobs, I guess. No, he doesn't own the Gunther Works. He had a, he has like a 9, oh, oh, mid-year 911. Nice. Oh, nope. all right. That nope. was his. No, he's not. I don't think he's that kind of moneyed. <laughs> um. He has like a typical eighties, like oh, that's you know, cool. Mid year, not mid year. I forget what they call them. The the nine thirty esque nine elevens. I don't know what the it's not nine six four. It's pre nine six four. But anyways, yeah, there was a Gunther Works nine nine three. Um, there was a Land Cruiser that was like I know it's cliche to say it this way, but like if Singer did Land Cruisers, um, there's a company called Something Cruisers. And they do like LS swaps and then like the super high end leather interiors. Yeah, it was a really high end resto mod. Yeah, it was super cool. That was probably one of my highlights of the whole show. Yeah, I saw pictures of it. It was really good looking. Yeah. Really cool looking leather. Like a like a well like the leather was dark brown, like you'd see on a nice leather couch. Yeah, like almost like, like seasoned but not. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. I mean there's a huge display of cars owned by Honda. Um, yeah, that was really cool. All right, down the center strip of the grass. Um, we'll get to the elephant in the room later. Uh, there was a white AZ1 that I think may have been the same AZ1. I don't that think was it was. JCCS. It had different wheels on it, though. Different wheels, but 
it was white with red mirrors, which on my Instagram, the person who owned it chimed in that said that the one at JCCS was a red car that he had wrapped in white vinyl. Right. Which is what I think this car was too. So anyway, it was really cool to see it there. Um, you know, then in the, in the just the normal, non. Uh, so the, the Radwood Royalty lot at this show was the biggest royalty section they've ever had. Like, it was wow. very well curated. It was there was so much space in between the cars. There was nothing tight and close together. Uh, but then even in the regular Radwood lot where the cars were parked side by side, it was like, you know, some amazing stuff was just over there. Um, stuff we've seen before, some stuff we haven't seen. It was just they were more Monteros at this Radwood than I've ever seen at a Radwood before. So normally there's like maybe one or two. There were probably six of them here. A uh, bunch of Gen 1s, a bunch of Gen two and a halfs like yours. Yeah. So really cool stuff. It's a big crew out there. Yeah, it's a really big crew out there. I, I do feel bad because in my brain I mixed up Jeff Glucker and Andrew Collins um, because they're both journalists that have Monteros. No, different Gens. <laughs> yeah, totally different Gens, but I called Jeff Andrew when I first met him in the morning. But, oh well, life goes on, right? No, I'm the best Andrew. Oh, yes, of course. I, I have You're I the, best... the Montero first. Yes. <laughs> but I, I I don't know either of them. I know they're both, you know, journalists. I know them both from the internet and only Monteros. Um, so somewhere in my brain, I was like, oh, it's Andrew. And he's like, it's Jeff. And I was like, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> so whatever. It is what it is. His uh, his first gen Montero, um, Jack Walker's is really nice. It's a really cool two-tone brown and tan with the, you know, bronze wheels. I mean, I think I posted pictures of it either on my page or on the Auto Topic page. Yeah. Um, and it's just a super cool car. And in typical Radwood style, it's parked next to a Testarossa. Yeah. So, hello. <laughs> like, awesome. Totally into that. But, yeah, it was cool. Um, the big thing there wasn't Radwood era at all. It was the uh, first, like general public appearance of the new Integra. Um, yeah, how'd that look? Because we skipped over it because you were going to see it in person. Yeah, I mean, I, I posted pictures of it to our Instagram page, um, which was difficult to get pictures of it because it was crowded all day, but I got a couple decent shots. Um, and I put my thoughts there. Like, you know, in 1986, Acura gussied up a, a car based on an, a Civic sedan, right? And they made right. it a hatchback. Right. And they called it the Integra. Right. So what do we expect them to do now? It's kind of the same. It's kind of the same formula. The problem is, is that at that point, the Civic was a great car that they based the Integra on. And now they're basing the new Integra on a kind of boring sedan, which is what the Civic has become. So it's, it's on brand. It's not what the enthusiasts want, but it's on brand. You know, uh, it's it's just if the Integra had never gone away and it was just called the Integra the whole time, if the ILX never existed and the Integra just kept going, this is just what it would be. You know, if, yeah, if, so what if, is it? If this car came out with an ILX 1.5 turbo, yeah. If this car came out with an ILX badge on it, nobody would even bat an eye. You know, it's. I think it's just people conflate the name much like they did with the Super when it came out. Like people are like, "Oh man, why is the Super only three hundred and seventy horsepower?" Like, well, it's the same kind of deal. My issue is that it's a BMW underneath, but 
whatever. It doesn't look this car. Like this car, I'm fine with the underpinnings. It, it seems fine and on paper. That's like what you want: manual yeah. transmission, front wheel drive. Yeah, it's, horsepower. It's, it's yeah, a little over two hundred, I think. Yeah, but it's, that's it's, a really fun car on paper. Uh, yeah, and like I said, hopefully the dynamics are good. It's a hundred percent on brand with the way the original Integra was, and honestly, the way every Integra was. It was always just whatever Civic was current. It was based on that similar, not identical, but similar architecture. Um, and it was available in a four-door hatchback when it first came out. Eventually, it morphed into a four-door sedan, um, two-door hatchback, four-door sedan. But, I mean, it's just the, the, the formula is exactly the same. If you're, if you're ticked off about it being called an Integra, you shouldn't be. I had the same conversation with the Eclipse Cross. Like, it doesn't cheapen the original vehicle. I actually am happy they call it the Integra because anything that gets rid of alphanumeric names is good in my book. So the Integra went away. We got the ILX. It was the same formula. The ILX basically was the Integra. The ILX never had any brand identity. The ILX is now gone, and we have the Integra back. It's just marketing. The car is the same. I'm totally cool with it. If I were in the market for a new sedan, I would at least test drive one. I don't think it's the prettiest car on the road. Um, But I I was I had this internal conversation while I was looking at it, trying to think of a car in its class. That would be better looking. And there's nothing in the $30,000 sedan range that is good looking right now. Like a Passat? Like what? That's what I mean. There's nothing. The Jetta is lame. The Passat is lame. You know, everything from Infinity right now is lame. Actually, I don't yeah. think there even is a $30,000 Infinity right now. No. Um, everything. Three grand, manual transmission, turbo. Yeah. Again, hopefully the cha- the chassis has good dynamics. Um, as long as you don't look at it straight on from the side. I'll say the only bad view is the profile. Yeah. And it's not even that bad compared to a lot of new cars and grown on me a little bit, but and we can, we can blame American car, American car crash standards for it. Like it's nothing to do with anything other than that. They need to have that blocky nose on them. So they don't break pedestrians legs, I guess. Like I just wish it, the rear window dove down harder, gave it a little more trunk. Yeah. I'm sure there's some aerodynamic like issue. Like like the four door Integras had a little yeah. more trunk lip. Oh, they had, they had a trunk trunk. They weren't a lip back anymore. Yeah. But if you look at again, going back to the original formula, the yeah, original, original Integra one. hatch had a very small sheet metal in the back behind the window. Yeah, but it was a little more flat. Yeah, I want a little more deck lid. It's the common design language right now that started with the Prius yeah. is that same cam look. Back. The cam back. It's a it's an aero tunnel thing. It's a gas mileage thing. Um, it works. I don't, again, I don't, I don't even hate it. I think the worst part about it was the giant Integra word down the side that was just kind of dated looking, but take that off. I even like the yellow. I, uh, I, I, I couldn't think of anything else in that class that I would buy ahead of it, you know, save for a Volkswagen Golf. And even, even the new Volkswagen Golf this year has the same issue with the A-pillar hood line headlights. Like they just kind of goofy looking. So those are probably the two cars I'd cross shop would be the, the GTI and the Integra. So it is what it is. It's a, it's a modern car. It's going to do modern car things. It's going to do them well, I'm sure. Um, and it didn't offend. 
you know, and it's design language, like we talked about earlier. It has the has the corporate Acura nose, which that's the way the world works now. You need a corporate nose. So I don't hate it. I was a little bummed at first, um, but obviously that's because in my brain and your brain and most people's brains, we think Integra. We think, you know, 1999 Type R. Sport car right? back hot hatch. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but we all kind of forget that it's always just kind of been the architecture of a Civic with a specific Acura body on it. And I mean, if we're going like a Civic Type R looks insane compared to one of these things. Yeah, well, they like, they like probably also terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they probably also looked at the you know extreme reactions people had from the Civic Type R, which is a car that's also grown on me. I had issues with it at first, but I I well, kind of I know, kind of it's, appreciate it's like laughing at the face of conformity kind of design. You know, like well, you know what the thing is when you're sitting in the driver's seat, you don't have to look at the outside. Also that, <laughs> but you and I both know that the aesthetics of a car are kind of important to a lot of people us included you know I, I i joke all the time about how i love ugly cars but i i love ugly cars because they're ugly you know it's definitely part of the aesthetics of it so give me a you know boxy volvo 240 or a dodge colt or a, a very angular stereon and i'm in but it's it's aesthetics are important regardless of whatever you might say but it is what it is. I, I, again, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate my opinion. I don't hate it. It's a car. Um, it's not a super special car, but when you break it down, neither was the Integra. No. So it was just a good car, and this is probably a good car. Sure it is. And every, and every three-quarter angle view of the car looks great. Rear three-quarter, front three-quarter, car looks great. Dead on front, dead on rear. Car looks great. It's just that side profile shot that has a couple of weird. I know you bring up the hatch, I bring up the A pillar hood front bumper, like profile. But other than that, the car's great. So the cool thing was is that Acura brought out one of every Gen Integra. Yeah, display around it, which was neat. They also had one of the the real time racing Integra. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the Pro Rally car. car they had is cool. They had a Rally car there. It's really cool. A couple pictures I have not posted yet, but will. Um, and then even, you know, my thoughts on the Fast and the Furious. I don't don't love that movie. Uh, but it was neat to see the, you know, Fast and the Furious Ja Rule car. Like, it's definitely very of the era. It's not a car that you ever see it replicated. You see the, you know, the Skylines replicated a bunch, the Supra and the Eclipse. I've never seen anybody do the... Do the Ja Rule's Integra because it's kind of not an important car in the movie. Is it the actual one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the one yeah. from the movie. Yeah. The one where he, the where he yells out Monica as he's driving away. Yeah. Yeah. That's or he losing sure. the race, I should say. But yeah, that's the that's the car. So it was neat to see that. I mean, I, I hated that movie when it came out and looking at it through the eyes of, you know. A lot of people are into it. Yeah, a lot of people are into it. But looking at it through Me the eyes own. of where it is, it's it, it took the automotive space to where it is today. For better or for worse, so it certainly was an important, uh, if not I mean, terrible, movie. The reason why I'm into Civic Type R's and Integra Type R's, though, is because of Gran Turismo. So, well, that's a totally different influence. On totally me. different was, influence. On a lot that was people, what yeah. that was what got me. I was yes. already well into it before Fast and Furious came out. Yep. 
I, I already flex in there. I already had my talent by the time that movie came out. And when yeah. that movie came out, that's when people would ask me what size injectors I had at like Dunkin' Donuts. Like, what are you talking about? What size injectors? Stock. They're stock injectors. Like, <laughs> where is your level of knowledge, sir? I bet it's not at a place where you should be asking about my injectors. Dude, bro, are those 18s? No, they're 16s. And then they're all disappointed. Like, does it make a difference? They look good and you thought they were 18s? So that's why I hate Fast and the Furious, but I digress. Fast and the Furious was the uh, we read sport compact car. Fast and the Furious was the import tuner crowd. It was a big Not difference. Even. Early import tuner was pretty bad. It was what people thought car culture was. Yeah. But now uh, fantasy became reality because yeah. of that movie. Yeah, well, it brought people who didn't know what car culture was to think that's what car culture was, to want that to be what car culture was. Yeah. So, but honestly, I don't remember there being as many issues with like, you know, takeovers and cars and coffees getting shut down during the uh, Fast and Furious era as there are now. Uh, cars and coffee didn't exist till so. like 2010. No, but there was car, like, you know, weeknight car shows and stuff and gatherings. They didn't all end in burnouts and crashes, mm. so, or maybe it wasn't publicized as much. Who knows? Yeah, it's just because it gets reported on now. Yeah, it's easier. We had, we had somebody unfortunately Instant. killed killed out here a couple weeks ago, leaving cars and coffee. You've got 15, 12 year olds filming for their YouTube channel. Yeah, so that's the problem. I love social media. I love leaving, I love leaving so slow yes <laughs> like so painfully slow yep like borderline stalling the car yeah yeah i get it on the same way but anyway yeah so that's uh that's pretty much it for today i think Andrew, you got anything else to chat about no it pretty much covers it cool so, so uh um, t- tune in next week when hopefully i'll have an answer about the sapporo yeah i hope so yeah um yeah Follow us uh, on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcasts, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. I am working on, I swear, I swear, I swear, we're working on a website. Yeah. Um, also, also, if anybody has any ideas, um, we're hitting a bit of a brick wall here. We're doing, we're taking our diecast daily posts that we were doing, and we're going to wind up with a scale page um, and a scale once a month. I don't know if I'm announcing this too early, Andrew, but I think it's okay to talk about it. Hold us to it. Uh, we're crowdsourcing yeah, the name exactly. is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so we're doing a, a, a once monthly podcast and an Instagram page dedicated just to scale cars. Um, just because we've received some feedback from people who do love it and some feedback from people who don't want anything to do with scale cars. So I think if we break it up a little bit, it might, uh, it might be good and it might even bring new people in that want to just hear about scale cars. So. Yeah, and it would probably make more sense to do a once a month video podcast on it so that uh, you can actually see what we're talking about. Yep. And uh, it'll go on our YouTube channel. Yep, for sure. We have the oh, technology but... to do it, and we're under underutilizing under what we're paying for. But the big the big thing is we're trying to th- find a name for it that's not exclusively diecast. Uh, it's just something to do with scale cars, and we're hitting a bit of a brick wall for stuff that hasn't been taken already. <laughs> So, yeah, if you have any ideas, hit us up. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, where can they find you? 
my current Instagram is tsiss three five zero. I post now and forever. Myself there, not my now and forever Instagram. Uh, and then anything that's not there is usually loaded up to my Flickr page, which is my name at Flickr. Oh yeah, so. I, I underutilize Flickr too for social media I, stuff. So yeah, not to I bring it off topic there. Yeah, not to bring it off topic again, but I was having that conversation with somebody at work the other day who was complaining about the current state of you know social media and how gross it is, and uh, I was like, yeah, I wish that Flickr had a better like user experience as far as integrating it with the just not storage for pictures, but also the community behind it. Cause there is a bit of one there and there is a community yeah. of shared pictures and it, uh, it just needs a little help. <laughs> I think it also doesn't crush image quality. Well, because it's specifically an image hosting mm-hmm. site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect. And there's a lot of great content on there. If you know how to search for it, yeah. um, it's just getting a way to search for it is the issue. So, well, anyway, follow me on Instagram, Erased in Anger. I am also Erased in Anger on Flickr if you want, um, and on uh, Twitter. So, uh, for today, keep your turny, turkey analog and aim for the mashed potatoes, I guess. No. No? No, I don't like it. Keep cars right. analog. Aim for the roses? Aim for the roses. See ya. Mashed potatoes are messy. Yeah.